Hi, and welcome to this week's show. If you want to make better decisions as a business owner or as an investor or just in life, you're going to want to watch this week's show. And I'm sure you can see that the quality of the decisions that you make dictate the outcomes in your life, in your business, with your bank balance, with the state of your relationships. So understanding the decision-making mechanisms is really important. So welcome. So the first question I want to put to you is this. What in you makes your business decisions? What's in you that makes your investing decisions, your decisions about how you are and what you do in relationships? And many of you will answer, I do. And I'm going to say, that's not enough. You need to dig deeper. In fact, when you say I do, it's not a very wise answer because who is the I anyway? So if you start to break up this concept of I, you'll see that there are many parts to you. And these different parts have different values and different belief systems. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show today on this topic is several days ago, I saw a video by a gentleman called Jocko Willink. I think it's how he's called. And I see a bit of his stuff around the internet. And he is an ex-Navy SEAL. He has achieved an incredible amount for the U.S. Army. He is an award winner for his service in Iraq. And he is an amazing gentleman with what he has achieved. But in this video, he was debunking self-sabotage. I'm going to show you this video now, because then we can come back to looking at parts and who makes or what in you makes your choices for you here we go so i get to hear a lot of excuses from people and lately there's been an excuse i've heard which is actually actually getting traction which is pretty disturbing for an excuse for people to start actually believing an excuse and the, the excuse that i've been hearing is uh Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage. Well, you know, he does okay, but then, you know, he gets close to winning and he just, he just, you know, does self-sabotage. What does that even mean? I'll actually, rhetorical question, I'll tell you what it means. Self-sabotage means lack of discipline. Self-sabotage means, oh, he didn't do what he's supposed to do to win because... He was too lazy to do it. That's what's going on. People say along the same lines, oh, well, no, he's afraid to win. Afraid to win, negative. Actually, what this person's problem is, they're not afraid to win, they're afraid to work. <laughs> Never mind this self-sabotage, play to win. It's Monday. Go get some, y'all. Have a good one. Out. So as you can see, this gentleman is overtly in his warrior consciousness. But his video shows a complete lack of understanding of the human mind. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people follow him. And 
activating warrior consciousness and working harder isn't going to help someone who has self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is a real thing. And you understand that when you understand the concept of parts, which of course is what I started the show about. Let's dig into parts a little bit further. So one of the opening questions was, what in you makes your decisions? And if you dig deep, you'll see that a part of your personality is making the decision. And oftentimes you'll see that another part of your personality doesn't like the decision that is made. So I'm going to bring this into business for a second, because I work with this all the time with my clients. Now, my role with my clients is to help them build businesses that run independently from them so that they can have a far more profit and a lot more free time. And I have a step-by-step process that I'm able to take my clients through to achieve that. And it's fairly easy to do. The principles make sense and the strategies I give my clients make sense. Now, when we talk about making sense, what we're really saying is that the logic can grab the principles and the strategies and make sense of it. Lines up on a logical level. So I might share a strategy with my client. Let's just take one as an example. The first thing I've got to do with the client, typically when I start working with them, they're working in their business too much. It's what we call the technician stage. And they're doing all the things in the business and they've become a roadblock in the business. That means they can't scale it, they can't grow it, and they don't have enough time to work on the business. Now, when you're working on the business in what we call conductor stage, you're actually building assets out that will produce income for you without you having to be there. That's just what a smart person's doing at the conductor stage. So if you're working in your business all the time, you don't have time to build out these assets. And just for clarifications of assets, an asset could be something as simple as a, as a system. Uh, and much of that system might be automated. Um, an asset would be building out a new product line or improving your marketing conversion rates. Because when you put time, effort and energy into those types of things, you are building the value out of your business. You're improving the profitability. Therefore, and, and you're setting things up for the future so that when you're not in your business, when you're away on holiday, this business is making money for you. And that's where your time as an entrepreneur needs to go. It doesn't need to be stuck in doing jobs in your business because, as I said before, you become a roadblock. So, again, when a client comes to work with us, we, we want to get rid of a lot of roles. And the roles that we get rid of are the ones that don't align with their gift profiles. So as an example, we want our clients to be working in the gifts and strengths. It's what they're naturally good at. It tends to be what they enjoy. And they're giving away these other roles that aren't in their gift profile will be probably in their weakness um, profile. And everyone here understands that. You've got things that you're strong at, you're gifted at. You've got other things that you're not particularly great at. So you give those things that you're not particularly great at away to team members who are really good at what you're weak at. So when a client first comes to us, we've got to spend probably usually the first month to six weeks, depending on where that business is at and where that business person is at, getting rid of these roles to other team members so we can get the business owner to have way more free time to think more strategically and now to start working on the business, leveraging their time, building out assets that increase the value and increase the income of the business. So again, all that lines up on the logical level. 
for the client. But here's what happens. So I tell the client that they go, yes, I agree. That makes sense. And then quickly after that, you'll typically get, but I can't do it because of at that point, and everyone watching this understands this, because the logical part of the client agrees conceptually that the strategy is a good strategy, but something else in them says, well, no, it's not, I can't do it. So you're starting to see then that there are more than one part or one more, one, more than one viewpoint that your own personal consciousness carries. So, if the client understands the rational strategy and goes yes and then has an excuse, typically a client who's not working with me would just stop at the excuse and not inspect a deeper level of things. But if you want to be a master of your decisions as a business person, you need to dig deeper and understand all the different parts involved with decision-making processes. This develops emotional intelligence. So I'm not going to just accept what the client says so that the client gives me their excuse, but blah, 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 blah. And I might stop and ask them, what part of you thinks that? Now that question is usually a strange one to them. Um, and they might have a little bit of a moment and <laughs> pause or hold their breath or a bit shocked with the question because they're not used to being inspected in that manner. They don't inspect themselves in that manner. Therefore, they're asleep, by the way. They're un unconscious. So with, with the excuse, uh, I don't have time might be one that they use. I just don't have time for the next three weeks. And I go, okay, so what part of you is saying that? Now that question is put to them because I want them to now start to start to introvert awareness and learn to observe themselves and then question the parts of them that are making their choice. So with a little bit of work, that uh, person might go, oh, yep, this is my planner part. My planner can see I've got all this work to do over the next three or four months um, or the next three or four weeks. And so I just can't possibly get it done. I go, okay, so now you've got a logic part that says, yep, strategically makes sense. And now you've got a planner part of you that says you can't do it because you don't have time. So automatically we've got now two parts. Now, the planner part will have a particular tone to it. And the person who was self-inspecting and learning to understand themselves would soon get to know this planning part. They would see that the planning part's really organized it's really into structure. It takes time out every morning to, to uh, go through task lists. This is the part that would run the project management systems. Um, and when the person was in that part of them, they would notice that they're very cerebral, very analytical, that they're somewhat calm because people use a planner because it helps alleviate their stress. So again, two parts. Logic, get the strategy. So you can say that's their strategist. The strategist part goes, that makes sense. The planner says, I don't have time. And at this 
point, I've helped the client see two different parts. And I might say, so when will you have time? And from the planner part of them, I go, oh, yeah, in four weeks, I should be able to do it. And I might say, do you often say you don't have time to get these important things done? And they would say, yeah, but I've got to get through my task list. At this point, I'm pretty guaranteed that there is another part that they can't see involved in the decision making process. And this is what, you know, if I come back to Jocko's <laughs> uh, video, all machoed up, right? all machoed up. We all have parts of ourselves that we can't even see. They, they exist on what we call the unconscious level of the mind. So in the same way as you have a liver doing all sorts of things in your body right now, you have unconscious mental processes and emotional drives. And it's really important to say that the unconscious is irrational, not rational. And when you start to inspect the unconscious, you really get to understand that it is irrational. It will do things that don't make sense to the conscious mind. It will make decisions that don't make sense to the conscious mind. Okay, so let me get back to the story, which I'm using to illustrate the need to understand parts and what self-sabotage is and why you can't just use will to override it. It takes greater sensitivity to self than that to change. By the way, when you watch Jocko talk, he is talking from the dominant warrior part. He may be identified with that. Maybe that's all he thinks he is, but he will have other parts that he can't even see or doesn't even know about. So what I will do Here's the strategy to delegate. It appeals to the business owner. They've now worked out they've got the planner, the strategist. I'm not going to stop them there because I'm going to dig them deeper because I'm going to go, okay, so I've asked the question, do you use not having enough time often to delay doing the big important things in your business? And they might say yes. And I might say, do you know why? No, because this is really important. Most people don't know themselves at all. They just don't know themselves. This concept that you know, I am this thing. No, I'm not this thing. I, I am many different things with many different parts and many different impulses. So if I want to make good decisions, I better see what really making decisions for me. And most decisions are driven from the unconscious realm. And all the science shows that today. When you consciously think you make a decision... Uh, six between six and nine seconds before you consciously think you made the decision your unconscious has made the decision for you so we know the unconscious is really involved in decision making processes which is why we want to surface what's uh, the un what what is in the unconscious okay and i'll give you a, a grounded example of this so coming back to our example I will start to dig a little bit deeper and because of my ability to read and see, I'm going to have a real idea about what is in the unconscious pulling on the planner to rationalize why they shouldn't delegate right now. And what I will find typically, I'm, going to, I'm using a real life client as I, as I communicate this, I'll find a part in the unconscious that believes this, I can't trust anybody no one will support me okay so the client in front of me doesn't know that they have this part on the unconscious level that's pulling the strings because they are not aware 
and they have not been taught to bring up unconscious parts to see what is making decisions for them. So this part on the unconscious level that believes no one will support me, I can't trust anyone, is deeply terrified at bringing more team on to delegate to. Okay, so again, if we dig deeper, maybe this person growing up had some experiences which created this belief system. Maybe their parents weren't there for them, or maybe some things happened in childhood where they felt left alone and abandoned and like they just had to do everything for themselves, like a lot of really independent people who who just do everything and are control freaks and won't let people support them. Um, and they tend to become very good at what they do because they've spent their whole life having to do everything themselves and not look for support because that belief system on the, on that that was created as a as a young person drives this independence. Well, that's great. That, that that's great on many levels. But if you've got that as a business owner, it's not going to work. It can't work because to build the business so that it runs independently of you requires you to have team. You are employing uh, people with highly conscientious, highly conscientious value structures, which means they'll perform when you're not there. Um, they perform just as well when you're there as, as when you're not there at your place of work. But you, you're employing them, you're employing really good quality people who will build your business for you. So you don't have to. You've got other roles to do in the business. So again, just coming back to this example, if I can't help the client see this part that holds the belief systems, I don't trust anyone, or no one will support me, it will stay on the unconscious level and they'll believe the lies and justifications of the more surface parts, because that's what we do. And when I say we, we as human beings do, okay? That's just part of our traits. We tend to not understand what's really driving us, and we believe our rationalizations which are designed to protect the ego and keep us from our deepest fears. Coming back to this example, the deepest fear is having team who, based on their belief systems, will let them down, cause them more pain than they're worth, and who will betray them based on this person's belief systems in this example. Okay. Now again, they don't know they've got that sitting on the unconscious level. So until they know, of course, they're going to stay half asleep controlled by these unconscious belief systems so my job is to help them see it and I don't tell them it's there because yes I do see what's in people but that doesn't help them me just telling them so I'll start to ask a series of questions where they will come up with their own answers but I know where I'm heading them or what part I'm wanting them to see so in the questioning process they will have revelation because they will start to see that they can't trust and they don't believe anyone will support them. And at that point, they now see what was controlling their decision-making from the unconscious level. So it's no longer unconscious because it's now conscious. And here's the amazing thing about the unconscious. When you are willing to pull up a part from the unconscious, what we call surfacing it, to bring it into the light of conscious awareness, the unconscious almost gets the, the, the kind of concept and idea that, oh, this person wants to evolve. Okay, if they're willing to have a look, I will show them more. Okay, and all of a sudden, after I've done that work with the client, 
that afternoon and probably for the next two days, their unconscious is processing and they'll have all these memories about things that um, happened to them and, and times in their life where they were betrayed or times in their life where they, they couldn't trust. So we know that once we start to surface things from the unconscious, the unconscious keeps the job going. Now, this is step one in, in transformation and change because all of a sudden now the person sees what was really pulling the strings from the unconscious level. Now, here's the problem with someone like Jocko and his statement. It takes uh, a sensitivity and uh, you have to develop a sensitivity to understand what is going on within your own system and that you have these multiple parts and that some of these parts don't agree with the parts that other decisions have made and have gone will go to sabotage you. So everyone here has experienced this, right? And this is part of human development, by the way. One part of you says, I want to do this now. Okay. Uh, that part might be, let, let, let's imagine it might be like, oh, I want to go out and I want to build a bigger business. I'm going to change my business model and build a bigger business. Now, that part of you might be the ambitious part of you. It might be the achiever part of you. Okay? But the moment that decision's made, what you'll experience is a backlash from other parts. The first one you'll tend to meet is self-doubt. The self-doubting part will come up and go, oh, can I do this? Now, an unconscious person doesn't even know the self-doubting part's coming up because they're shut down to their feelings. They don't understand themselves. But many people watching this, you'll relate to it. You make the decision from the achiever part. The other part goes, no. And you feel nervous and fearful as the other part gets triggered. It, that that's actually part of life, right? This is how we evolve and, and change, where one part wants to make uh, a change in life or in business, and you go and you, 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 you make that intent based on that part. And then all these other parts in your consciousness come up screaming because they're afraid, they've got negativity, they've got self-doubt, they, they, they think you might get hurt, as an example. And what happens is you've got to face those parts, see them, understand them. If you aren't aware of those parts because they'll be sending you some uh, uncomfortable feelings but you're not really aware of them you're not really connected to self these parts will get you to give up on right that choice from the achiever part from the from the driver part from the ambitious part and then you wouldn't evolve because you'd stop but if you well, honoring the achiever part, these other parts will come up. And if you're an aware person, you'll see them, you'll understand them, you know, oh, there's that, there's that part again, I know that part. And you'll continue. And over time, those voices of those parts subside as you move through the challenge. And then you evolve as a human being. So again, back to Jocko. It takes awareness of self. And you can't just use will to override something you're unconscious you don't know about. It will control you. It will control you. I'll just give you one example before we, 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 we close this off. And I think this is a brilliant example, actually, because it highlights two things that I've been talking about today. It highlights parts. It highlights how we are driven from the unconscious. And it also highlights the irrationality of the unconscious, because many of the voices in your un unconscious are like from four-year-old parts of you, five-year-old parts of you. If you've had a a trauma locked in because of something, it, 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 some event. That trauma will be controlling your decision-making processes. And this is really important because this is why, again, I get quite passionate. I, I'm working from a strategic perspective with business clients day in and day out. But unless 
the coach or mentor can understand what's happening on the unconscious level for the client, the client is going to self-sabotage. The client is going to limit what they can achieve. And that's why it's beautiful to be able to work with both tangents so quickly. This is a, an, a story I share often because of, of just how great it is from the perspective of teaching those three things. So it would have been about 15 or 16 years ago here in Australia, and some of you will remember the Investors Club. This lady was part of the Investors Club, and basically she had built and lost $6 million portfolios three times through silly mistakes. So they sent her to me. Um, it was up in the Sunshine Coast. I remember going to her place, lovely lady, and she knew she had a pattern. This was before this kind of work was considered normal. Um, and anyway, so I'm, I'm sitting down with her and I can see that she's got a really good accountant part of her, really good with the math, very good planner. She's got a, an achiever and she's sick though. And this is important. She's got some health problems. Anyway, she says, I just, I, I built, I built my portfolios up and she says every time she says, I just make a mistake that I wouldn't normally make. I don't know what's going on. And then I've lost it. I've just lost it from the silly mistakes. And she said they sort of just come out of, uh, it's just it's weird because it's just when I start to get that $6 million mark, boom, gone, okay? So I start to work with her and I'm just going to go to her childhood just to show you how this stuff gets set up. When she was a child, her father was away working all the time. Now, her father loved her, but, you know, she's at home, what they, what they call latchkey kids, and I don't know about a mum. She didn't come into this into the story. But the dad's away all the time, and I get it that the mum wasn't around. So she's there lonely all the time, feeling alone, feeling abandoned at home until dad comes home. He doesn't get home to 7.30, 8 o'clock at night because he's working all the time, right? And he loves her. He's trying to bring money in for the family. When she gets sick, <laughs> when she gets sick, dad stops business, and he'll come home and look after her for a whole week and make a chicken soup, read her stories in, in bed. So then when she'd get well, he would go off again. On the unconscious, she had a belief system that said this. Men love me when I am vulnerable and down. Men don't love me when I'm well and independent. Now that belief system was created as from the experience with her father. And again, it's not true. Her dad loved her all the time, but children make decisions like that. And so on the unconscious level, like, first of all, I knew that she wanted a relationship more than she wanted wealth, because what you'll see as we start to go a bit further into this is that, by the way, this is what we call a victim strategy. Uh, there's another business lady I work with who, growing up, the sister was a star, star performer. She actually became a, a really famous entrepreneur. The My client, the other one that I'm talking about, had gone into business and Anyway, she'd get herself into all sorts of uh, strife and trouble all the time in business. When she was a, a child, because her sister was such an achiever and did really well at school and did, did really well at sport, she grew up in one of those families where the parents just loved the one daughter, the super achiever, and they sort of ignored this one um, who became my client. And I'm going to be honest with you, this woman was tough work, right, because of, oh, I wouldn't work with someone like her today. Anyway, she's just tough work because these patterns were so entrenched. She learned at an early age that through when she got in trouble with the police or she'd have a car crash, her parents would give her attention. So she learned, again, this is where people have victim 
or, or dramas going on because they learn at the unconscious level that I must cause trouble. I must, I must be in danger. I must do something really wrong to get my parents' love. And this becomes such a powerful unconscious force. Here they are in their, you know, in their forties, and you know they're trying to live a good life, right? Because we're all parts. But this part from the unconscious level that's got all this voltage still controls all their decisions because this part wants them to be in trouble. It, it knows that it gets love from negative outcomes because that was the early childhood pattern. So it wants, this is important to understand, that part wants negative outcomes. And so a rational person who doesn't understand the unconscious looks at someone like that and goes, they can't have any compassion or empathy for them. Right, because they go, that's ridiculous. Why are they so self-destructive? Well, unconscious forces, as we said earlier, are irrational. Coming back to the story that I've just been telling about the investor. So here she is on the unconscious level. She's got this part of her from her childhood that knows that when she's down and out and struggling and vulnerable, men will come in and rescue her and make her feel like she's loved. Okay. Of course, you'd end up with that belief system based on her experiences. So here she is, an adult, removed from her early childhood, from her family life, and now she's got a part of her that's a real achiever. This is a very sophisticated woman, by the way. Looks sophisticated, very intelligent. She's got her achiever, and she's got an accountant, and she's building these property portfolios, doing really, really well. But the wealthier she got... The more the unconscious, which was her conscious goal, by the way, from her achiever self, from her accountant self, the more on the unconscious level, the unconscious said, hey, but you're getting more powerful. That means you won't get loved. The more powerful you get, the less likely you are you're going to get a man to love you because this fell outside of her childhood script. So that's why her unconscious always arranged for her to make a mistake so she could lose everything. So she could, based on the unconscious script, get a man who would care for her and look after her. Until she could see that part of her, nothing could change. Because it would just be, just come from the unconscious. And this is really important to say. Because you might be going, well, how did she make those mistakes? <laughs> this is really hard for me to explain. But I see it all the time. So what happens is the unconscious parts will engineer whatever they need to engineer within your brain and within your consciousness to fulfill themselves, to fulfill those belief structures. So I've seen it just dumb people down, right? There are powers in your consciousness that are scarily good, but used ineffectively uh, very damaging, okay? So unconscious forces that you don't see can be very damaging, which is why you need to self-inspect and see what's happening on the unconscious level. This is this leads to self-mastery in the decision-making processes. Anyway, uh, that should give you some food for thought. And if you want to know maybe some ways that you can start to do this, well, simple ways, uh, uh, real simple way is this. Don't ignore feelings. So when you're thinking all the time, you're disconnected from the body. Um, just observe, sometimes you'll feel uncomfortable feelings in your body, uncomfortable emotions. Turn your attention to those uncomfortable emotions. And this might be weird to you and strange when you first start this work. But feel the emotion in the body and go, oh, how does emotion feel? And then you might go, oh, I feel uncomfortable. It's making me feel a bit edgy. Okay. 
Now, believe it or not, when you start to turn your awareness to those feelings and start to name those feelings, you bring your awareness back into the body. When you bring your awareness back into your body, you're heading it back into unconscious territory because the unconscious and the biology work together. So in connecting with the feelings and naming them and describing them, you are starting to practice what we call observing awareness. There's me that's observing the emotion, naming to na- being able to name the emotion, which means there's me, the observer, and there's me, the thing that I'm observing within myself. That already leads to greater wisdom. Ah, there's that. I can feel that emotion. The more you get to do it, oh, what's it saying? Now, when I tell a rational person to ask what that part's saying or what that emotion's saying, they'll tend to struggle with that. If you're a feeling person, you'll be able to do it in an instant. Uh, this part, oh, it's, it's saying that if I go down that path, I, 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 it would, could be dangerous. I could lose money or, 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 or could get rejected or whatever it is. And at that point, you've just developed a higher level of emotional intelligence, a higher level of wisdom about self. You're now starting to pull things up and bring them into awareness so you can see all these different parts that are controlling you. Anyway, that's a great place to start. And I hope you get a lot from today's show. A bit different today. We're talking certainly about beliefs, the unconscious, the parts, not so much about strategy, but this stuff's just as important as the strategy and it will change your life if you embrace it. By the way, if you're interested, come and do a one-on-one strategy session with me. I have a few free ones available at this point. Uh, in the free strategy session, we will be doing a lot of strategic work on your business. We will be looking at where the roadblocks are. We will be looking at what you would need to do over the next 12 months to shift those roadblocks, to get you in conductor, to get you working on your business, to start building a business that runs independently from you. We look at a roadmap for that. Um, If I need to, I'll check in and touch base with, say, some of the belief systems or unconscious patterns that maybe uh, you need to inspect because they will undermine the implementation of the strategy. I won't be going fully into that deep personal work not in the free strategy session, but we'll be touching base with it as well. So there are awesomely powerful sessions. You will (laughs) experience something that you won't experience with any other business or uh, business or mentor or coach. Anyway, check it out and see you at the next show. Catch ya.